Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Okay, we're continuing now on our Pray For It series. Next week will be the last one, and I'm going to be speaking to you about how to know if you're really being led by God. So please, you won't want to miss it, especially when you're making major life decisions. And today, we're going to be talking about a truth that is a that when you belong to the kingdom, this principle that we're going to address today, it makes being part of the kingdom um, such a blessing and so powerful. It's a principle that in a lot of ways, it fixes many things, and at the same time, it blocks many of the works of the enemy. Okay? Okay? Remember, brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is powerful. Okay, we are part of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, uh, 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 um, the kingdom of God is within you. If you're a Christian, right inside of your heart, the kingdom of God is there. And so when we, we've been talking as we pray, we, we want to align, we want to cooperate with the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he started his ministry, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I want to say it again, the kingdom of God is at hand, ready to impact Philadelphia, ready to impact Chicago. Anybody want to see God manifest his kingdom? Hallelujah. And so today we're talking about a very powerful kingdom principle that can not only kind of save us from tons of problems, but also give us a front row seat to the great works of God. And you're going to see um, what principle we're talking about very, very quickly here. Psalm 133 puts it this way, behold... How good, everyone say good. good. Behold how good and pleasant, everyone say pleasant. pleasant. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in everyone, unity. Unity is powerful. Unity is a major kingdom principle. It's good and it's pleasant. What's it like? It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, who was the high priest in the Old Testament, one of, one of the, the first ones. And then it says, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What we are talking about is a very powerful kingdom principle. And the title of today's message is Pray for Unity. Everyone say unity. Unity Unity is powerful in the kingdom of God. What we're talking about is the fact that we can, we because we all belong to Christ, we unite under Christ. 
And as we unite under Christ, there are powerful things that are released. Unity for your home. Unity for your marriage. This is for business. This is for, for literally anything that you participate in. Unity is very, very powerful. It applies to ministries. It applies to the music ministry, to the ushers ministry, to the children's ministry. Anywhere where people unite under the banner of Christ. Wherever there's more than one person, it applies. Unity. There's a, uh, a famous Chinese general. His name was Sun Tzu. He wrote a book called The Art of War, and he, there's a quote in his book that says, a cat by the hole will stay a thousand mice. Meaning, meaning that you could have a thousand mice behind that wall and you put one cat there, and that cat will keep all the mice back there. Unity is the cat that keeps all of the devil's mice from running around in your house, in this church, and any place where the people of God are. How many, how many want that big cat, the cat of unity, to be here to keep out the devil? Some people have too many mice running around. You see? And it's because this principle is so vitally necessary Here's another way before we pray. Unity actually opens up the faucets of heaven. I'm telling you right now, God commands a blessing when we make an effort to unite. And it's a grace that falls. It's a grace that falls. Warren Wiersbe said this, unity is not something we work up, but something that God sends down. How many want God to send down the grace of unity upon us? I'm going to tell you right now, we need unity. You want blessing in your house. You need unity. Unity for marriage. Unity for parents and their children. Unity can be part of a business. Unity can, can make such an incredible difference in our lives. Unity is very, very powerful and yet, it's this, it's not just natural, there's something supernatural. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 says, because this is so powerful that we should go after it. We should pursue unity. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God wants peace. Somebody say amen. amen. He wants peace for your house. He wants peace for your heart. That's why David said, God, unite my heart to fear thee. We can become double-minded. See, one, one, one part of our heart is pursuing this. Another part of our heart is pursuing Jesus. No, unite my heart to, say, to serve you and fear you. That's where the blessing is released. You see? So unity is a very power. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of priests. Why? Because there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Aren't you thankful we have one Father in this house? We are the family of God. Could we praise him because we belong to him? Hallelujah. Everybody here, it's my brother and my sister. We are one. We are one in Jesus. We have a heavenly father. 
And consequently, we need to pursue unity. So look, I wanna pray, and here's why I wanna pray. I'm gonna say this, I might say it again a little later. Okay, but this principle is so necessary and so powerful to peace and blessing. It's so powerful to the experiencing of the, the heavens opening up over your life, over your home, over your marriage, and, and all of the other things that concern you, over our church, over this church. And we prayed for many churches. We prayed for, for the church that Pastor James is leading. We prayed for churches in New York. We prayed for churches you know, in the South and in the North. You know why? Because we are all under Christ. Amen? Amen. So when you pray for unity, brothers and sisters, you are saying, I am depending on the resources of heaven to flow over me and mine. Okay, that's what I'm doing. And I want you to lift your hands. But before you lift your hands, let me say this. I got ahead of myself. So look, over the last two or three years, I firmly believe this. I believe one of the main tactics of Satan has to bring division through a spirit of mistrust. People don't trust each other like they used to. The things that have happened in our culture, the church has allowed to be projected onto us. You understand? But we have to drive out the mistrust. We have to drive out division because we belong to one another. Aren't you thankful that we are one in Jesus? Come on, put your hands together and say amen to that. Hallelujah. And you'll see in a moment that in order for unity to take place, it, unity requires maturity. If you keep reading in that passage in Ephesians, it ends up with maturity. So today, look, when, if, if, uh, if you're married or, or, or let's say you, you single parent and, and you, it's you and a teenager, look, we need unity. Unity requires maturity. We've gotta, we've gotta, we've gotta get under Jesus all at once. So lift your hands with me right now. And let's say, Lord, we're opening up our hearts to a spirit of unity. God, we invite you to come by your mighty power. We pray that you would open up the faucets of heaven. And God, we pray for unity. I pray for unity in homes. I pray that marriages would be more united than they've ever been. I pray that parents would be united to their children more than they've ever been. I pray that the family unit will be strong enough to withstand all of the works of the enemy, oh God, in this world. And God, I pray for unity in the church, Lord God. Let the body of Christ rise up and shine. So bless this word, Lord. Bless our time. God, as we prepare to take communion, Lord, unite us under your body and your blood. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So how do we define unity? 
Biblical unity is agreement around the person, promises, and principles of Christ. Okay? It's to be whole as one in focus, function, and fervency. It's a state of oneness. It is a collective state of oneness that we can uh, yield our way into. You'll see that in a moment. But here's what's awesome about the biblical principle of unity. See, the biblical principle of unity is us uniting around Jesus, his promises, his word. And whenever we unite around Jesus, we know that if we unite around Jesus, it will be good for everyone and everyone will be blessed. Somebody say amen. When we unite around Jesus, no one is left out. You see, so it's uniting around the Lord. If it centers on Jesus, it will be good and it will bring blessing. So we have to be mindful of what is actually happening when we participate in biblical unity. Now what I want to do is I want to look at the how and then the promise of unity based on this passage today. The first thing that we see here is that unity flows through surrender. Unity flows through a collective surrender made up of individual surrenders. It's about the bending of your will for the sake of honoring Christ and his purpose. In other words, what unity is, is that we say, look, even if I disagree with someone, I might disagree with them, but I, I love Jesus so much that I'm still pushing towards unity. Okay, why? Because the key factor is, is that we're uniting under Jesus. A.W. Tozer put this in a marvelous way. I want to read this quote to you. He said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? Pianos of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. This is powerful. So, 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ. That's why we start the service focusing on Jesus. Why the worship? Why? Why is so much emotionalism? You know, I'm going to tell you why. First of all, we're grateful and thankful that Jesus died for us and gave us. Anybody here thankful for the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. But we're not here to hear from any man. We're not, this is not about the people here. This is about Jesus. And we enter his gates with thanksgiving and our courts with praise and we tune into Jesus. Anybody here to tune into Jesus? I hope you're tuning into Jesus online. That's what this is all about. It's all about Jesus. You see? Could you, could pass all? All right. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ. Hallelujah. Are in heart nearer to each other 
as we look away, we're nearer to each other, right? Then they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. See, there's something supernatural that happens when we try our best to unite to him. Something supernatural takes place. And if we all focus on him, you know, it's like in, in premarital counseling, sometimes the counselor will do a triangle. Maybe you remember this. And here's what they say. This is uh, um, the wife. This is the husband. This is God. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Amen. Amen. That's just the way it is. But it's with that for everything. You understand? It's with that for everything. And when, when you are pushing towards unity, you're basically saying, well, I just want to make sure that I play the song that Christ once played. You see, we're here to sing his song. We're here to play his tune. How many want the tune of Jesus played in your house and in your life? Amen. And so look, I, one of my um, favorite grandpa videos and one of the things that happens when you become a grandparent and this is universal I've seen it at the airport I see it anywhere where people are waiting you watch grandparents and what they do is they play videos that they get from their from their kids and they watch over and over things that their grandkids are doing and you can play it 25 times 26 times it feels brand new right (laughs) So one of my favorites is of uh, Romy on Tommy's oldest, which is four. He's four now. But when he was about two years old, more or less two, two and a half years old, I believe, we got a video. And here's the way it went. He's singing a song, but it's a gibberish song. He's going, flamma, blamma, summa, flamma, bamma, flamma, flamma. And he's just going on and on, but he had his own beat to it. I, I, he's got some rhythm, right? So he, but he's doing this song, and, and Olympia, my daughter-in-law, she's videotaping him, and she's like cracking up, and he's doing this song. And then when he finishes the last line, he turns and looks right in the camera, and he goes, that's the way I sing it. <laughs> and here's what he was saying. He said, I know it's gibberish, but that's the way I sing it. But how many know that it's cute when you're two, it's not cute when you're 22? That's the problem in the body. That's the problem in many of our families. In many of our families, we got people saying, I'm gonna sing my song the way I wanna sing it. But that's not mature, is it? Maturity says, I wanna sing the song that Jesus wants me to sing. If you're a person who's like, that's the way I sing it. It's time to grow up, Romy. Can I say that? Go ahead and say, preach it, preach it. No, 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 you know. But it's the truth. Many times, you can't lead a family well. You can't be the head of the house well. If you just say, well, that's the way I sing it. We have to unite. We have to get tuned to Jesus. And when we tune into Jesus, then everything changes. It's really powerful. It's a very, very powerful principle. It's about, look, it's about disagreeing in a loving, 
an agreeable spirit. Okay? Loving people that we disagree with, right, is essentially and purely the heart of God. In fact, the gospel is essentially and purely God loving people who don't agree with him. In other words, there would be no one here if it wasn't for the fact that God was chasing us when we didn't even want him. How many know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're not here because we went looking for him. We're here because Jesus came looking for us. Hallelujah. It's the love of God. It's the love of God reaching out to us. The love of God reaching out to us. And so this, this whole principle of loving people that you don't agree with is just purely Jesus. It's purely godly. It, it, it's pure godliness. Look at what Francis Schaeffer said about this. This is very, very powerful as well. He said, it's in the midst of a difference that we have our golden opportunity. When everything is going well and we're all standing around in a nice little circle, there's not much to be seen by the world. But when we come to the place that there is a real difference and we exhibit uncompromised principles, but at the same time, observable love, then there is something that the world can see, something that they could use to judge that these, are, these really are Christians and that Jesus has indeed been sent by the Father. You see, we could disagree. We could disagree on politics. We could disagree on things that are happening. But that doesn't mean that that should stop us from loving one another. Somebody please say amen to that. There's something in the heart of the Christian that is that when we choose to love, despite our disagreement, we can win people. We can conquer, we can conquer hard hearts with love. This is such a, such a powerful principle. We have to be willing to put love first. It's just, it's God's way, it's God's will. It's the heart of God. You know, when, when unity really flows, Wherever it's flowing, biblical unity, part of what's happening is that people on earth are acknowledging the government and presence of Christ. So, so in other words, like in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, this, is, this is the beginning of the marriage chapter. Okay? But notice what it says. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay? So the next line in there begins with wives. It talks about the, hus the husband is the head. Hus wives submit to your husbands and on and on and on it goes. But fundamentally speaking, it's also saying husbands submit to your wives. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It, uh, um, um, if, if, if you come from a home or from a culture that says, 
that says the man is, yo soy el hombre, I'm the man. So I don't have to tell her where I go. I don't have to tell her what I do with my money. That's my money. I don't have to tell her what I do with my time. You're just absolutely wrong. This is why, look, you know what? Gandhi said this, I love the Jesus, they're Christian, I don't like so much. And you know what he's saying is when I look at them, I don't see what I see in Jesus. But see, if you're going to be a husband, you should be accountable. She should know where you do, uh, where you're going and what you do with your time. Somebody please say amen to that. You understand? There's mutual submission. I have to give an answer to my wife with what I'm doing with my time and my money. You understand? And it's more than that. It goes even further than that. And as we're functioning here on a weekly basis, uh, Pastor Tim could come and say, hey, Pastor, I think that you should do this instead of that. And, and if it's the word of the Lord, then I should listen to that. You know, it's like, it's like, yes, I'm the lead pastor of this church, but I'm not the head of this church. That's ridiculous. How many know Jesus is the head of his church? Jesus is the king of the church. So we submit to one another. Look, look, today, right now, this is so funny because we got a couple, a couple people are out. And Pastor Edgar, who, who's been chief of staff here, Pastor Edgar said to me, hey, I'm ordering food today for you afterwards. I'm like, you're ordering food for me? He goes, yeah. So, so here's a guy who's been in charge of everything and who's told me what to do like 25 times, 50 times. Say, Pastor, I don't think you should do this. You should, uh, you should do that. And you know what? Today he's ordering food. Because it's not about your ego. You know? It's not about our ego. It's about the fact that every person, we were joking. So Christy and I will be married 30 years. And right before service, uh, there's a young lady in the office is, is dating someone. And she's like 29. And I was like, man, I can't believe that I got married before you were born. <laughs> That's nuts. But nonetheless, she's an admin. She walks in sometimes. And she, I'm like, and this 30-year-old is bossing us around all the time. Why? Why is that right? It's because in any given moment, we recognize the mantle of God, the authority of God, the word of God on another believer. Could somebody say amen? That's why I could be right there, and it's happened many times. An 18-year-old, a 22-year-old will say, Pastor, you got to get back over there, and then you got to be over there. I'm like, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone has a role to play and the mantle and authority of God is on all of us. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, and when we do that, powerful things are released. Powerful. So that uh, uh, um, a mom and dad could say to a 12-year-old, hey, could you pray today? And they pray and something can come out of their mouth and they say, that was God. Amen. This past week, one of our staff members came and, and said, hey, Pastor, Pastor Zoraida is her name. And, and uh, uh, she and her family, they got saved at a, a KWA outreach. They got saved, I don't know how many years ago and, and baptized here. Now she's on staff and a key leader. And she was like, hey, Pat, this happened this week. She was like, the Lord showed me this. I was like, Zoraida, that's confirmation. 
That confirms one of the decisions that we're about to make. It's everywhere. Look to your left and look to your right. You understand? We are the children of the Most High God. This is the kingdom of God. Anybody happy to be in the kingdom of God? We cannot let the devil divide us. We cannot, we cannot let the devil divide us. See, he knows that when he divides us, he weakens us. But when we unite, amazing things happen in the spirit. How many wanna see marriages united and children united with their parents like never before? How many wanna believe God for that? Hallelujah. This is very important, very, very powerful, very powerful principle. Unity drives the devil back at every level. Amen. Then here's the second thing, and then we're going to take communion uh, quickly here. Unity flows through surrender, and as once we surrender, then what happens is unity opens the faucets of heaven. Unity opens the faucets of heaven. Now, I am, I'm kind of uh, giving a descriptor, not maybe a literal faucet, but the Bible does say, there the Lord commands the blessing. Okay, God commands, and the way I want to picture it for you at the throne of grace, when God sees us pressing towards unity, he looks down from the earth, and when he sees people pressing towards unity, he says, I want you, I give the command right now, the faucet of oil, the faucet that symbolizes the power of the Holy Spirit, the separating grace of the Holy Spirit, the anointing difference maker of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What drives back the devil? Open that faucet over my people. Open the faucet of oil over that family. Everybody say, open the faucet. Open the faucet, Lord. We get united in the prayer meeting. We get united in praying at our house and worshiping together. And the Spirit of God looks down. God looks down and he says, open the faucet of oil. Let the oil be poured out. Did he not promise? Uh, in, in, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies and he anoints my head with oil. When the oil comes down, the devil can do nothing. Everybody say, open the faucet. Yes. See, when we unite, I want to encourage you. I know I've said this. Can I say this about seven more times? Every family needs to pray. Families need to pray together. Because when you pray together, the faucet of oil opens. The anointing comes down. And look, men, it's been a while since I said this. If you feel shy or if you feel like, oh, I haven't been enough of a spiritual leader or I'm not like Pastor David or I'm not, that is baloney. You are a man of God. You have been chosen by God to lead this family. Read a verse or two and lift your voice and a humble voice, a hungry heart will be heard in heaven and he will open the faucet over your life. Hallelujah. 
Don't worry about how it sounds. We need to pray together because the faucet's open. Powerful things happen. Can I tell you, um, uh, this past week, I, uh, I haven't really watched the World Series in a while, but I watched a little bit more of the World Series because my other grandsons in Philadelphia, Phillies were in the World Series, and um, so too much grandpa stuff, right? That's, that's the way I sing it. No, 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 let's keep going. So, uh, and so, so I'm getting these calls from James or Wesley, we're talking about the games, and something very interesting happened. In game three of the World Series, I believe it was game three, the Phillies hit five home runs, and it was in Philadelphia, okay? And so what happened is this kind of came on the news. There was such a thunderous roar. Okay, let me read this to you. Watch this, look. There was such a thunderous roar. Okay, no, it's not an earthquake. Harper and Bohm home runs are literally registering on the Penn State University Brandywine Seismograph Station. The city is physically shaking. They shook the city. 40,000, 50,000 people in one accord cried out because they cheered because of a home run and they shook the city. And as I was studying this and as I heard this, I couldn't help but think about the upper room in the book of Acts. And I couldn't help but think how the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I couldn't help but think that if we unite in this place and we cry out to God, we will shake the kingdom of darkness. We will shake the gates of hell. Open the faucet, God. Open the faucet by your mighty power. Open the faucet, Lord Jesus. Pour down revival. We need to see the kingdom of darkness shaken. Uh, how does that happen? It happens when we open the faucets. You see? That's why the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. That's why altar calls and worship are so special and so important. Is because we believe that we serve a God who opens the faucet of oil. It's like oil poured, okay? It's like oil poured on Aaron's head and it flows down. Remember, we are regarding the kingdom, the government of God is here. Amen. And it is the most powerful government in heaven or on earth. You see? So oil represents the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say one more thing. There's another faucet. It's, it says it's like the water that falls on Mount Zion. You understand? It, it, that, that water used to water the whole city. And, and there's a refreshing. It's like dew. Dew falls and people are refreshed.
Maybe you're here and you're weary and you're tired. And one of the reasons why we say, come seek God together, because when we collectively seek God, he opens the faucet. There's a command in heaven that says, open the waters of refreshing. We literally prayed about that this past week, I believe. Was it this past week? Yes, there is a refreshing. There is a renewing that can take place in his presence, his fullness of joy. It's supernatural. It's better than the spa. It's better than the sleep. It's better than anything you can indulge in. God, open the faucet of refreshing waters over your people. God, refresh us again. There's an opening of heaven when we unite. And let me tell you something. I just, I am envisioning people going home and, 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 and saying, hey, we're gonna take two minutes. We're gonna take five minutes and we're gonna pray together before we go to bed. I hope you do devos with your children. You know, teach your children to pray. Teach them how to lift hands. It's, it's, it, it's incongruous to think that you can come here, act a certain way, go home, act a different way, and your children are gonna adopt what you do here instead of what you do home, okay? They're gonna adopt what we do at home, you see? So, so I, I, I wanna, from the deepest place of my heart, I wanna encourage you, say hallelujah in your house. Say, praise the Lord. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Walk in your house. Just say, thank you. You're opening up the supernatural. Just try it. Okay? Try it. You tell me. Somebody go home. Apartment. Doesn't matter what it is. Walk in. Cross the threshold. I didn't say this last service, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it this service. Just lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for your blessing. Hallelujah for your provision. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your blessing. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. We will praise the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's like the Spirit of God will rush right to you. Rush right to you. See? Because we are acknowledging the headship, the Lordship of the Kingdom of God. And so, today we're going to take communion. And as we prepare to take communion, one of the reasons that we participate in communion, it's because it is an opportunity for all of us to get on the same page with Jesus. Communion is really, really powerful because when, when we take communion, I wanna explain it. When we take communion, part of what we're doing is we are remembering what Jesus did for us. We're remembering 
that Jesus came. Jesus was the Son of God. Listen to me watching online. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're visiting. Um, if you want to understand the essence of Christianity, it's as follows. Okay? Jesus was the Son of the Most High God. He lived in eternity past. He was never created. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were never created. They were in perfect love and unity and communion. They created us in love, in the image of God. We reflect the image of our Heavenly Father. Man chose to sin, and when we sinned against God, we broke relationship with God. So Jesus, Jesus comes to the earth. He takes on the form of a man. He was born of a virgin, and he lived a sinless life. And at a certain point in time, he allowed himself to be crucified. When he was crucified, he became the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. You see, in that moment, the innocent, pure God took on our unholy sin. He took it upon himself, and then he transferred his purity to us. He who knew no sin, he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Are you thankful today for that exchange? Anybody here thankful for that transfer? Hallelujah, Jesus. No other philosophy. This is why I became a Christian, and I searched, and I searched, and I searched. No other philosophy, no other religion addressed this issue. See, because the truth of the matter is only Jesus could pay for my sin. And so he comes, he dies, he rises from the dead, and he's rich in mercy. So that anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone who answers the door. In another place in the Bible, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Anyone that opens the door, what door? The door of our hearts. Anyone that opens the door, he says, I'll come in and I'll be with them forever and ever. That's what Christianity means. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means that a day in time, you open up your heart and you invited Jesus in. You discern he was knocking at the door of your heart. I did it on a baseball field when I was 17 years old. That's when he chose to knock. That's when I opened the door. Other people, Chrissy did it, it, it when she was like five or six in her house. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that he knocks, we open, and then we take Jesus in. When we take him in, we're taking in, we're, we're taking in the impact of the body of Christ and the blood that was shed as depicted in communion. And so we're going to take communion. And when you take communion, almost done here. This is crucial to unity. When we take communion, part of what we're doing is we're saying this, Lord, anything in my life that is breaking unity between you and I, today I want you to wash it away. And I want to get right with you. Okay? He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. If you ask for forgiveness, he'll grant it. Say, God, forgive me. I turn away. He will do it. He'll cleanse you. He'll cleanse you. And remember your sins no more. Remember my sins no more. He will cleanse us. Hallelujah. 
You understand? So that's what happens. We say, God, I want to get right with you. But here's the other thing that we're saying. And this is why this is so important today. We're also saying, Jesus, the blood that you shed, the sacrifice of your body, not only paid for my sin, but it also paid for the sin of those who sinned against me. That's why Christians can forgive. We forgive because even though someone really hurt us, we know that we're not belittling what they did by forgiving them. We say, Lord, you can deal with that however you deal with it, but I forgive them. This is why, brothers and sisters, we can stay in unity. You see, you can even love people who hurt you. That's a good time to say amen, but I know you're just listening intently, right? You're just concentrating. It's true. If someone hurt you, you can forgive them. Okay, does it mean if you're, if you're a victim of trauma, does it mean that you have to go spend the rest of your life with the person that traumatized you? I'm not saying that. There's a wisdom to these things. But in your heart of hearts, you can forgive them. In your heart of hearts, you can say, Jesus, I, I release them of what they did. You handle them. And God, I want all of the faucets of heaven open over my life. Just pour it down because you can heal me. You can bless me. You can promote me. You can do everything. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 